0: This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities, and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny, risked everything for liberty. And they thought so we would be America. Hi, and welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast, a journey through American history for kids. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. This week, we are going to be talking about what it was like for women who were loyalists during the American Revolution. My
1: name is Dr. Casey Tillman. And I am professor of English and writing at the University of Tampa. And I'm also the co-director of the honors program at the University
0: of Tampa. All right. So when you say doctor, what did you get a doctorate in? I have a Ph.D. in English. That's exciting. That's exciting. All right. And so you use a lot of your writing skills to write about history. Um, And I understand you have a new book about women and loyalists. female loyalists?
1: Yes, I'm actually something called a literary historian, which means that I contextualize histories for people um, using the stories that they wrote through their letters and diaries and sometimes even
0: novels. Yes, we love um, what we call primary sources. We definitely talk about that a lot on the podcast, too. That's that's the best way to, to know how things really were. Absolutely. You have to go to the primary source to get the full story. So I yeah. always encourage kids to do that. That is great. So, um, you know, like we said, you've been doing some work on uh, woman loyalists. So I guess to start, you know, let's talk about some of the, the women who were supporting England um, in the Revolutionary War. Um, were there some you know, particular examples that stand out?
1: Yeah, I think. To talk about women loyalists, we need to understand a little bit about how women were treated during the war. So mm-hmm. it was thought that women were sort of um, almost like children for their husbands and fathers. And they, it was considered um, unusual to, con- to think of a woman as political or to have any kind of opinion on the war. They were mm-hmm. expected to raise their children and to run the household, um, and you know, to make sure that their house was running smoothly. So Mm -hmm. people don't usually talk about women loyalists because women couldn't vote and they Mm -hmm. couldn't uh, be soldiers, although we certainly have people that pretended to be men and were soldiers, Um, Mm -hmm. and they couldn't write legislation. So they couldn't, you know, enact laws. They couldn't be part of Congress. And those are the ways that we usually think of loyalists or patriots. Mm-hmm. and So we don't usually talk about women because they couldn't do those things. So for years it was sort of assumed that female loyalists didn't really exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But they did. Uh, they absolutely did. They just talked about their opinions on the war in different ways than men did. So they wrote about their opinions on the war in their letters. And in their diaries, which they sometimes mailed to other people, but today we would not think of it as being okay, right? As sure. other people reading our diaries, those are their journals are private. But they would write them for other groups of people and send them, and they would read them out loud because oh, you know, wow. they didn't they didn't have Netflix, so <laughs> um, it was highly entertaining yeah. to read about someone's day-to-day activities.
0: So sure, yeah.
1: So that's how they shared their politics or their political opinions. Um, and for a long so, time, it was assumed that they just couldn't be loyalist as a result.
0: Right. So when you look at those letters and journals, what, what are these women saying? Well, so
1: you asked me if they, you know, how they were expressing whether or not they supported the, the king. Mm-hmm. That's not really what you're going to find in loyalist letters and journals. You're not going to find very many people saying I'm really against independence. I'm really against the revolution. So a lot of these women are actually saying, I would rather be left alone in this war. I would like to Mm -hmm. continue running my merchant shop, or I would like to continue living quietly at my house or my farm. Uh, I would really rather just, you know, be safe and Mm -hmm. live my life the way I always did. But, in the American Revolution, it was encouraged that they pick a side, even if they didn't want to. So sometimes if they remained neutral or they said, you know, I don't really have an opinion about this war, but they were married to a loyalist, or mm. they were the daughter of a famous loyalist, like a man, it was assumed that they were loyalists too. And a lot of the loyalist men, um, particularly if they were rich and had a lot of property to lose, would flee to England and leave the women behind, thinking that they would be safe um, because they weren't political, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't lawmakers. They weren't soldiers. So they thought that that people would leave them alone, um, and they were wrong. So what happened is when the men got on a boat and sailed to England and left their daughters and wives, people attacked the daughters and wives to get to the men. So, yeah, if you look to their diaries and letters, they're often – not loyalist in so much that they're saying, you know, I'm against the revolution, but in so much that they're saying, I don't want to pick a side. And so they were
0: sort of made loyalist by default. That's interesting. Yeah, they didn't, um, like you said, women definitely weren't thought to have opinions of their own. (laughs) So (laughs) they were kind of lumped in with their their husbands and their dads. Yeah, Um, just thought to be the same
1: person, you know, when often they weren't yeah of course
0: so these men they would go to england thinking the war will end we'll win we'll come home and everything will be fine right They'll, they thought as long as a woman is living in the house surely mm-hmm. the
1: soldiers won't turn a woman out in the streets i mean she's not political yeah. there's no reason to do that women couldn't own property mm-hmm. and a lot of times so of course they there are times that they could but if they married often their property went to their husbands. And so the property wasn't technically in their names, and you could only take the property of a loyalist, they thought, if the loyalist was there to have it taken from them. So when they left, oh, they thought, this mm-hmm. will work out fine, you know, and it, and it doesn't. Um, Goodness. Yeah.
0: So um, I would imagine there probably were also some women who did speak out on their own opinions. Um, and how, how did that work out? <laughs> Yeah. So
1: um, there is one that comes to mind. Uh, her name is Anna Roll. And Anna was the daughter of the um, mayor of Philadelphia before it was taken over by rebels. And your podcast probably calls them Patriots. Um, maybe. <laughs> but in their day, they weren't called Patriots
0: because a yeah. Patriot is yep. someone who's loyal to the father.
1: Yep. Yep. And they so definitely they heard
0: both. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they were rebels in their day at least to the loyalists particularly and Uh, she wrote letters uh that were spy letters where she would report on the rebels troop movement and how much you know how many supplies they had and where they were located and she would send it to her father in new york which was a loyalist stronghold um and she was definitely in support of the British. So she would do that by using her letters to sort of spy for the British. Another one that comes to mind is Grace Groden galloway mm-hmm. Grace, she was married to a really rich guy named Joseph, and she had 10,000 acres in her name. And mm-hmm. she had inherited it from her father. And she, when she got married, she said, you know, I know most women you know, hand over their estate to their husbands, but if you could just keep that, keep the land in my name when we get married. That would be great. And he says, of course. Yes, we'll do that. That's the arrangement we'll have. And so mm-hmm. then he goes around behind her back, and he takes her name off of her property and puts his own name there. He betrays her. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, he was a terrible person. Yeah. Um, and then he was um, a prominent political figure, so the rebels came to get him early in the war to show others, you know, if you're a loyalist, even the best of you will fall, Right. And yeah. he hears that they're coming and um, sneaks away in the dead of night, sails to England with his daughter, Betsy, and leaves Grace alone to hide her, uh, to, to guard her house, which is called Trivos. Hmm. And she ends up uh, having it taken from her, and the men come to her, and they say, um, you know, we, we're going to need you to leave. So she boards up all of the doors, and she locks, she locks the doors and boards the windows, and they beat on all of the doors and try to get inside. They pry the, the wood off the Windows, and they finally find her standing in the dark, sort of gripping the doorway. And they said, okay. um, "You have to leave." And she says, "No, uh, I, nothing but force can make me leave my house." And they said, "Well, if you pledge to be a rebel, um, we'll let you. you will let you stay here. You can keep your house." And so she thinks about it for a minute. So she's someone else who's sort of a gray area loyalist, and that yeah. she says, yeah, you know, maybe." Um, uh, but I, I can't really give up my loyalties altogether. She said, I do hate the King and all his court, but I also renounce the nation is what she said. And Mm -hmm. the men said, you can't really choose both. Uh, and she says, well, I do. And so they drug her out of her house and, um, she became homeless and ended up locking herself in her house instead of picking a side. So she's an example of a woman that like sort of vacillates, then occupies this, um, disaff- what's called the disaffected face, where she just sort of hates everyone, <laughs> and she's yeah. as I. So sometimes loyalists could be uh, on a sliding scale, like they could be okay. pro crown and then pro rebel and then against both, depending yeah. on their situation. Yep.
0: okay now you mentioned um, the woman who was a spy, and I I wonder if it would be if that was something that um, you know people like women could do because. Maybe people didn't realize how smart women were and, and, you know, said secrets in front of them. Mm -hmm. Was was it women being underestimated? Definitely. Sounds like it was part of the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Early on, it was really hard to tell a rebel from a loyalist because we all all looked the same, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to... You can't read someone's political affiliations on their bodies. So they made people pledge what's called a loyalty oath and... They said, and they only gave the loyalty oath to men. And they didn't mm-hmm. give the loyalty oath to women, which means that they were sort of invisible, walking around invisible. Well, people figured out pretty quickly that um, they could use women and, to pass information because women were thought to be, like you said, camp followers. Or they were allowed in prisons to take laundry, right, or to mm-hmm. deliver food or shaving supplies. So sometimes they rolled up letters and put them in there under the buttons of their coats. Um, one of them taped one to the bottom of a rum barrel and pretended she was delivering rum into the prison. That was, um, Elizabeth Murray. And so, yeah, they were sneaky because people just completely thought that they weren't capable of being political. Um, but wow. so they had to change the law in 1777. They changed the oath and, and, gave it to women and made it so that if you were caught delivering spy letters, you could go to prison.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they had a few years. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, what? Um, let's see. When we talk about about women, you know, we talk about the risks that that the you know patriots or rebels or whatever we want to call them um, <laughs> take. But there was there was definitely risk in being a loyalist too. Sure. Yes.
1: Um, it was quite dangerous, particularly for a woman, um, because you know it was thought that. Um, Without the protection of a larger family, they could be robbed. Um, Women who wouldn't pick a side were sometimes just assumed, as I said, to be loyalists. And so sometimes the rebels even issued directives to the soldiers. They made the soldiers raid the houses of people who wouldn't publicly say, you know, we're for this revolution. And they said, you need to start with those people and take their blankets, uh, you need to take their food, and you need to make them a quarter or house the soldiers because, you know, they needed places to stay. They didn't have a Holiday Inn
0: Express. So, <laughs> um,
1: and a lot of these women uh, didn't want to do that, but were, were forced to, right? Um, Sarah Logan Fisher tells a story of uh, refusing to let people into her house, and they broke all of the windows and the shutters. And they came mm-hmm. inside anyway. Um, and they did that, they said, because she refused to light a candle that celebrated the the Battle of Yorktown and the okay. defeat of the British. And mm-hmm. she said, I don't light candles for war. Uh, she was a Quaker. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought Quakers were loyalists because Quakers don't, don't often support war. Many Quakers right. didn't support the war. And uh, so, yeah, they... They said, you have to light the candle or we're going to, you know, we're going to damage your house. We're going to break in. And she said, I won't do it. And then two neighbors snuck over the fence, grabbed the candle and light the wick. And the crowd that had broken into her house uh, gave three cheers. They said, huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. And then Mm -hmm. they left her there. And she Mm -hmm. writes in her diary about how afraid she was of going to sleep because she thought they would come back. And, and hurt her and her family. So she and her neighbors spend the rest of the night boarding up their windows with, you know, nails and wood. So mm-hmm. that they can rest in peace. But they're traumatized, you know, by what happened. So mm-hmm. it was quite dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So it's felt we've definitely talked about a lot of women, um, you know, some Um, you know by choice and some not so much being put in dangerous situations and so what what is the most important thing that you want the kids to remember about about women during the revolution um well I think
1: it would be that that they were strong smart and um they were often they had agency that people didn't know that they had They tried to Mm -hmm. save their husbands and their fathers and their brothers in any way they could, even though they didn't really have a lot of power during this time. And they were able, they were often able to fight a system that was sort of set up to defeat them. Some of the women that I write about were able to get their houses back. Uh, Many of them didn't get their husbands back, but um, some of them were able to get back the inheritance for their daughters. Which was really important. So I think it's important to consider that
0: even though they lost, they weren't losers. You know. Yeah. That is a great a great message. Um all right. Well Doctor Tillman, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really interesting. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd love to talk about
1: loyalists, so anytime.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed learning about Loyalist women as much as I did. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com for videos, links, and other things that go along with this episode and every episode. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Growing Patriots. See you next time. Distributed by FCB Radio Network.